Hi, morning everybody. We're reading from Luke 5, verse 1 to 26. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When it finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on you'll catch men. So, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. While Jesus was, was, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law would come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? 
Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, you tell, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of him, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Just for in case you fall asleep, I've got water with me today. I did uh, buy a water pistol. Especially when I was doing Bible studies on uh, lunchtime at Varsity in summer. Yeah, so they only fell asleep once. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Good. You should have your Bibles open. Great to have you here this morning. And let's uh, pray and ask God to do a miracle. And that is to create faith in us that will lead to obedience. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the word, Jesus Christ, the one who is able to do the impossible. And that is to change a human heart to actually become a human in its fullness. How we would love, Lord, to be more what you've created us to be. Thank you that you've come to save us to be exactly that, which is image bearers of the true and living God. So, Lord, we pray that this morning you will remind us, stir us up, maybe bring us for the first time to life through faith in your Son. Who knows? Lord, what you are able to do through your Son. Thank you that we get a glimpse of it in your word, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So you should have an outline there in front of you. So for those of you who are um, joining us, we are going back to Luke, uh, and we want to start um, working our way through Luke again. So we introduced Luke a couple of, in the beginning of the year, I think, we started. We looked at the announcements about uh, this man who is God, uh, all sorts of interesting announcements about him. Then we saw him being born, and we saw he did some interesting things while he was a young boy. He disobeyed his parents. He made them scared. He didn't disobey him, just scared them a little bit as he was growing. And then we saw him being baptized. He saw his great work of cosmic uh, reality where he conquered Satan, and he started his ministry. And the next little section that Luke has kind of bracketed for us is running from chapter 5 to chapter 7. So we'll try and do that in the next couple of weeks. Um, having a look at Jesus' new way of dealing with the human reality. So let's start. Luke chapter 5. So call an expert, I take it. That's the heart of it. Um, I don't know if you know why you have an expert. Do anybody know why there's experts around? It solves problems with... Quicker, faster, more efficient. Uh, it might cost you a little bit more. So maybe just let me show you. I'm a real man. I'm a real, real man. So when anything goes wrong at home, I feel the urge to try and fix it myself. I love the experience of realizing that I can't do it. But I want to do it at the end of the process. I do not want to accept it up front. So we've got one of these little splash pools at home. And uh, it's really frustrating because no... Creepy crawly works in this jolly thing because its sides are too high, so it keeps on falling over. 
So that means I've got to get in there by hand and dig out all the leaves. So I decided, I saw you get a pool cover. So I looked at pool covers and I thought, oh, that's not too difficult. I'll, I'll make my own. <laughs> a weekend of major frustration went past and uh, cost me twice as much as I probably would have gotten expert in. It's there, but it's ugly and it's skew and it's working sort of. You just call in the expert. It's much easier, isn't it? They've got the time, they've got the experience, they've got the know-how. It will cost you maybe a bit more than, but it works. Well, brothers and sisters, we have an expert in Jesus Christ. And uh, I want to introduce you to him. If you don't know him, I want to show you. So we've got three little stories that Luke has kind of combined for us. He actually gives us indications. I don't want to get into all the details that these stories did not necessarily happen in sequence. Luke is putting them together because he's trying to give us a, a collage, a picture of Jesus Christ. So there are three interactions in three areas of life with three kinds of experts. That's what we find in this little section. The first one, as we know, is a fishing. So Luke was a fisherman. He was an expert in fishing. And Jesus engages with Luke on fishing. The second one is uh, that whole issue of leprosy, of skin diseases. And uh, Jesus, although he doesn't really interact with them, but he's playing against the priests who were the experts in knowing skin diseases, knowing what to do about them, knowing what, to, uh, what sacrifices to do, knowing how to declare somebody to be clean. And the third one is the, uh, the forgiveness of sins, biblical interpretation, and the experts of the law. And the passage makes that quite clear that these were the guys that Jesus was kind of engaging with. And as he's engaging with them, he's obviously engaging with us. All right? So those are the three areas. So let's have a quick squiz and see if we can make sense. The first one, Jesus and Peter. So Jesus is preaching like he normally does. He gets into a boat because the people are crowding him, and he just goes off a little bit to shore. We don't know. We don't know all the details. Maybe Peter was not paying attention. He's been working the whole night. Maybe he's tired. Maybe like you. You've, after two minutes, you start to nod off depending on what you did last night. How many bottles of wine or how many movies you watched. Peter's nodding off, maybe. I don't know. Then Jesus says to him, Peter, let's go and fish. Let's go into the deep waters and cast your nets there. And Peter says to you, Master, we've worked the whole night and we caught nothing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, it's very difficult to know how Peter said that, isn't it? Did he say that, oh, you are the Lord, I will do it. <laughs> or did he say, you know, preacher boy, you may know a lot about preaching, but obviously you know nothing about fishing. How can I say that? Because if you know anything about fishing in that area, you don't fish with nets in deep water in the middle of the day. You fish with nets shallow water in the middle of the night, which is what they were doing. So here this preacher boy is telling the expert fisherman how to fish. Hmm. So is he saying it because he's really been or is he saying, okay, I'll do what you say and we'll see who knows what he's talking about. I don't know. You make up your own mind. From Peter's reaction, it seems like he did the other one. I think he was maybe a little bit sarcastic. Just, just a tiny bit. So, a massive catch of fish. In the middle of the day, in deep water. Doesn't happen. If you know anything about the nets they used, they've got little sinkers on the edges and they throw it in and that lands on the floor and you pull it in and you catch the fish like that. You can't do that in deep water because the ropes are not long enough. So you don't catch fish like this. I mean, this is insane. 
But he does it. And he has this massive catch. So big that the boats are starting to, nets are breaking and the boats are starting to sink. And then verse 8, here's the issue. Peter Simon saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. That's a weird reaction to a catch of fish that you've never caught in your entire life, isn't it? Why on earth would he react like this if he had the biggest catch of fish that he's ever seen? Because it seems, however little he understood about Jesus, he knew this dude is not just a preacher. This man can see what no one else can see. He can see into the deep of the dark water. And if he can do that, most likely he can see into the deep darkness of my heart. I'm in the presence of the Lord of nature. I am not in the presence of a fisher, of a preacher boy. This man is something very different. And he falls down in front of him and he says, go away from me because I'm a sinful man. Incredible, isn't it? This preacher man can see what you are desperately trying to hide other people from seeing. He literally sees right through you. And he knows what's going on. You know what's the biggest catch here? It's not the fish. It's Peter. Do not be afraid, Peter. I have not come with my unbelievable razor eyes to condemn you. I've come to call you, to save you. I have come to do that to all mankind. Because all mankind have got darknesses that they wish nobody would actually knew about. That's why I've come. Peter, don't be afraid. I'm not using my ability to scare you. I'm using my ability to save you and to transform you. Good news? First story. And so, Verse 11 is one of those wacko stories, isn't it? I mean, you've just had the biggest catch of your life and so you ditch that work and you go and you follow Jesus. Something weird is going on, isn't it? Who is this man? Who is this man? Is he just another man? Is he just a very good preacher? Hmm, who is this man? Who, who do you think he is? Interesting question, isn't it? Second one. Leprosy. Now, leprosy was a kind of a, a, a kind of a, a big statement about a lot of issues. Right? Lots of skin diseases were called leprosy. We all know that. If you've ever bumped into somebody who's got a skin disease, you've got a, an incredible urge to run up and hug them, hey? And put your hands on them and touch the, the disease and the scabs coming off and the goo sits on your fingers and you just love it, isn't it? No. Normally not. So leprosy was exactly that. Leprosy was a skin disease that makes you unfit for society, unfit for fellowship, unfit to belong. You are literally an untouchable. And if you had leprosy and you were declared to be a leper, you had to walk around in town and shout, unclean, unclean. Do not come close to me because if I touch you, you unclean. And if you touch me, you unclean. I contaminate every single thing that I touch. Is contaminated by me, whether it's a potential or a human. So, yeah, to have a skin disease in those days was a bit more difficult than today. You were literally ostracized. 
kicked out. Unacceptable to come into the presence of God. Unacceptable to be among people. And they had their own little community that they ditched them. But if you had to go into town and do something, you had to shout, unclean, unclean, don't come close to me. Incredible, isn't it? Terrifying thing. So here comes this man. And he comes to Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me. And Jesus shows his unbelievable compassion and power. He could have just said, you are clean. He just said to the fish, hey, jump into the net, and they did. He reaches out and he touches the man. Now, you all know physical touch is quite important, isn't it? So I just want to say to you, if you need a hug, Astrid has discovered that she has a gift of hugging. <laughs> She's a happy hugger, all right? And we know Charmin has got that gift well developed as well. But it's amazing, isn't it? Physical touch is an unbelievable sign of compassion. Jesus says, I am not just willing to heal you. I want to come close to you, so close that I can touch you. I want you to be with me. And here's the miracle. He doesn't get contaminated. The other guy gets healed. Whoop, reverse order. Everybody else who touches a leper goes leprous. Jesus doesn't go leprous. This guy's cleaned. He's got immense compassion and immense power at the same time. And again, he doesn't use that to push away. He uses that to draw close, to bring in. And then Jesus orders him, and here comes it. He says, go and do what Moses commanded as a testimony to those experts. Because you see, the Old Testament could legislate how you should live if you are leprous. But one greater than the Old Testament this year, I can heal. Moses could tell you what to do. I tell the sickness what to do. I've come. And I've not only come to show you my compassion and my power, I've come to restore you to relationship with God, fellowship with God and with one another. Amazing that is. This man has come and stepped right into our world. So who is he? What is he about? Why is he doing these weird things? Look at his compassion. Look at his power. Look at his purpose. Go and tell them. Show them. They have got to ask themselves, what on earth is this man doing? Who is he? What is his mission? You see that? Jesus Christ basically says... Sin makes you a contaminant in this world. And every single thing a human touches is contaminated by his sin. We are all leprous. I have come to clean you. I have come to restore you. I have come to give you fellowship. Third story. Jesus here is talking about the forgiveness of sins. And there's a couple of interesting shocks in the story. The story is very familiar, so I'm not going to get into too many details of it. Luke makes a point that these experts are coming from all over. They're from Jerusalem. They are from, uh, where is it, Judea. They are from Galilee. They are coming because this dude is causing stirs. And so Jesus, full of the power to heal, uh, sitting and teaching, and people being healed, and then these friends, I mean, bring... This guy. And I'm, I, they must have been of Bursians Jews. You know what I mean by that? They must have been Afrikaner Jews because 
They made a plan. When they couldn't get to him. If they were Indians, they would have already had the plan. <laughs> but I think they were Burjus. So they made a plan. All right? So they dig a hole and they drop this thing. And they are excited because this Jesus can heal. And they are disappointed and shocked. Because Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. I'm a, I'm a, hello, Jesus. The guy can't walk. Are you blind? Do you think we dug a hole through here so that you can make theological pronouncements? We want you to heal the guy. I mean, what's wrong with you? You see the shock? But they know the only guys are shocked. The experts are shocked because they say, what? Who does this guy think he is to forgive sins? Because only God can forgive sin. No priest can forgive sin. No prophet can forgive sin. No king can forgive sin. God has never delegated the forgiveness of sins to any person. Who does this man think he is to forgive sins? See, Jesus is kind of shocking, isn't it? If you come to him with this, he does the opposite of what you expect. And so Jesus says to them, Okay, guys, I know you've got a problem. You are absolutely correct. No one can forgive sin on God's behalf. I mean, just let's play around. I'm going to use Frida and JJ. I hope I'm not stepping on toes. JJ goes off and plays with another woman. Frida comes to me and tells me about that. I go to JJ and I say, JJ, you're forgiven. Do you think Frida will ever talk to me again? <laughs> Who the hell do I think I am to forgive him if he hasn't sinned against me? So let's put it in that language. Who the hell does Jesus think he is to forgive sin on God's behalf? Because all sin is against God. Their question is absolutely legitimate, isn't it? They have it right. Except that they don't know who Jesus is. So Jesus, I'm going to help you guys to understand this thing. So here's a little bit of an interesting play on the language. He says to them, what is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Now in their culture, it would be much easier to say to somebody, get up and walk. I mean, if I tell you, get up and walk, how difficult is that? Easy. To say your sins are forgiven, I mean, yeah. they've just said you're blaspheming. But see, it depends on who you say to get up and walk. If I say to you, get up and walk, hmm, that's simple, easy. But if you had no legs and you were a paralytic, not from drinking like a student, but actually literally can't walk. And I say to you, get up and walk, and you suddenly get up and walk. What does that prove? You see what he's saying to them? Just to say, you get up and walk is an easy thing to say. But Jesus doesn't just get up and walk to anybody. He says to the guy who can't walk, Get up and walk. You see, when I say something, I have the power to back it up. And he says that. I want to prove to you that I have authority on earth now to forgive sins. Get up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. Simple story, isn't it? Fascinating. Who does he think he is? Well, he says, I have the authority to do that. I can forgive your sin now before the judgment day. What he's saying to them. Magnificent, isn't it? 
Incredible thing that Jesus is doing here. And then the people are praising, and they've never seen anything like this. Remarkable things, that's what they've seen today. So can you see how the three pictures fit together? Have you seen remarkable things today, or have you seen a remarkable person this morning? The majority of people who saw all the remarkable things Jesus did never got to see the remarkable person that he is. Funny, isn't it? How we are more fascinated by the miracles than by the one who does the miracles. Eventually, they are going to kill him. Because he stopped doing wonderful things. Because he's pointing to how wonderful he is. Weird, eh? You know, people do that with Jesus again. If you don't give me what I think you should give me as in accordance with how I pray, I don't want to follow you. Well, Jesus is using these things to show, to point to himself. I have come, and I can see what you're so desperately trying to hide in your life, says Jesus. And I don't use my knowledge to push you away. I use my knowledge to call you to me. Today, when you hear my voice, when you see me, no, I know exactly what you're trying to hide. Everything is open and bare before my eyes. I know the inclination of your heart, your thoughts, your desires. But do not be afraid. I've come to call you to myself. Because self-acknowledgement of your problem opens up the relationship with me and you. Denial of your problem causes us to have a difficult relationship. That means we don't have a relationship. See how amazing that is? Jesus says, I've come to do something new. He's not criticizing Peter because he can't fish. The point is only Jesus can do that kind of fishing. He doesn't criticize the expert because they can't heal the man. They can't do it. They will never be able to do it. It is a miracle that he alone can do it. That's the point. He's not criticizing the theologians because they understand only God can forgive sin. He affirms that they can't, but he's saying, I am the one who's given that right to do that. You see, as you acknowledge your brokenness and sin before this man, you know what he will do is he will touch you and he will heal you and your contamination will go. That's what he's promising you. I will restore you to God and to one another. That's what I will do. That's why I've come. See how amazing this is? And he says, your sin not only makes you a contaminant wherever you go, your sin is your handicap. To walk in the Bible is a picture of being fully human. This man couldn't walk. Jesus says, through the forgiveness of sins, I will make you human again. You will stand up and you will walk like one of the sons of God, one of those who are made in his image. That's what I've come. And your problem is your sin. You see how interesting it is? As you come and bring your brokenness and your fear and your hiddenness to because I see it in any case, you can't hide it. Confess it. I'll grab you. I'll clean you up. I'll restore you to the Father and to one another. And you'll become human. You'll walk like a human. Your incapacity to be human will start to change as you follow me. Isn't that incredible? Is that good news to you? 
Really? It doesn't look like it. Do you know this man? Have you ever dealt with him? Have you ever spoken to this man? Have you ever fallen on your knees before this man and say, you know I am a sinful being? Not I have done sinful things. That too. I contaminate everything I touch. And I'm incap- I don't have the capacity to be human, to be truly what God has made me to be. Will you have mercy on me? That's what Jesus is saying. Do you have this good news message in your heart? Do you know this? Do you believe this? Do you understand this? Do you rejoice in him? That he knows you? Trevor Noah, I knows you. Have you seen that clip? He stands in a queue and a woman comes up and she's got no teeth. And she goes, she checks him and she's, and turns around and says, she says to him, I knows you. God knows you. There's nothing you can hide from him. Why would you want to hide before this man? What would you want to hide? Do you think you're going to get it right? If he can spot fish in the deepness of the you think you can't see it in your heart? Set yourself free by acknowledging your brokenness and sin, your contamination, and you're being a paralytic. And he says, I'll forgive you. I'll restore you. And I'll welcome you. I'll even employ you in my business of catching other people. You go to Jesus, you get a complete overall, huh? He doesn't do things halfway. Isn't that good news? Is that the good news you tell your friends? Is that the good news you tell your wife, your children, your husband? Do you tell people about this man that knows everything about you and has not rejected you? He's actually come to you. Do you tell people about this man? Do you share the good news that I have found the man that knows me, that has cleansed me, and has restored me, and is doing it? Do you want to get to know this guy? Because he says, that's why I've come. For everyone. Good news. You have good news for the world? Don't tell the world they need to change to make it good news. Tell them about Jesus, because he changes you through salvation. That's good news. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. He knows us and he does not, is not repelled by it. He steps right in. He touches our contamination and our filth and the fact that everywhere we go, we mess up. He's able to clean and restore to health. Thank you that Jesus Christ, through the forgiveness of sins, can make us human again. How we bow before you, how we glorify your name. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who does not know you, who is religious because they think they must try and do something to change, that this morning they may hear that there's only one person 
that can change them, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. No one else can deal with this problem. No expert of the law, no expert of the priesthood, no expert in any department of work can ever deal with the human problem. But Jesus and him alone. What glorious good news is that. Thank you for Jesus. Amen.